0: James, the book of James, chapter one. Lord willing, you already have the uh, the outline of this book in front of you. Um, it's the uh, we have in chapter one. We have daily temptation and perfect patience. In chapter two, we have daily faith that works. In chapter three, we have daily wisdom. From above, You really will find as you read this book, you'll find that this wisdom, the difference between earthly wisdom and the wisdom that's from God, the difference not only in its quality, but in the um, change that it makes in our hearts and lives, really is central, uh, really is, I would say, the way to sum up this book very easily. John's been reading chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 each, each uh, Sunday morning because I've asked him to. And then chapter 4. Daily Grace to Overcome Lust, Lips, and the Law. And chapter 5, Daily Living in Light of Eternity. So this is a simple outline of the book. For a couple of weeks now, we've been going over the fact that there are themes that run. They're not the outline. I just gave you the outline. But these themes run throughout the book. They, they appear over and over again in, in each chapter, really. And you'll see them uh, each time you s- sit down and spend any time really reading, John said this morning something that I think is a great help, and that is this, there really is no substitute for continual exposure to something in the Bible. And what I mean by that is this, if you're reading whatever, whatever you're reading, let's just, let's just say you're reading 1 John, we'll just pick 1 John. If you're reading 1 John, just read 1 John, and then read it again, and then just read it again. And, that's just, just re- and what will be amazing to you, and I've heard this so many times, typically it takes us a long time to do this, though. I, I've read this so many times and I didn't see this until now. But in many people's lives, it actually takes years to accomplish that. But the reason it takes years is because we don't read it over and over and over again daily, or even multiple times in one day. So if, if you would sit down with an honest heart with a hungry heart, and say, Lord, show me. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter where you read in your Bible. God will meet you as you open your Bible. God will meet you in his word. It, it won't be, once you get past your opinion, once you get past your thoughts on these things, and the way to get past those things is to read it over and over and over until and you no longer hear your voice in your head but you start hearing the Word of God in your own head and you begin to realize, oh wait, as I'm reading now earlier in this chapter I have a sense of what's coming up later in the chapter because I've been chewing on this a great deal of time, and now I start to see how these things go together. So there are these themes, and I mention them. I've mentioned them every week, uh, and we, you know, we spent the f- probably three weeks looking at the first two. Uh, it is my desire to just spend the next couple of weeks, and after that, we'll get in uh, to the next book that we're going to be studying. But we've been looking at, so here's the things. You write these down. The first word, the first theme that runs throughout the book is promise. The second is temptation, and that includes trial, tongue, and lust. The third is patience. The fourth is perfect. The fifth is peace. And the sixth one is pray. And yes, I noticed that they're almost all Ps, and they're not all, or I would have made them all Ps, but the T, the temptation, is obviously something that runs throughout this book. What I'd like to do, we spent a great deal of time looking at promise, and we spent a great deal of time looking together at the temptation, and what I'd like to do today is I'd like to begin looking at patience together. So if you'd open to James chapter 1, right at the very beginning, James chapter 1, and verse 3, and we'll begin, we'll read a little bit together, and then we'll pray. Let's read James chapter 1, Well, let's start, uh, let's start in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Our Father, some mornings, Lord, we feel weaker than others, more aware of our inability to express even the most wonderful things and even the most simple things. Lord, we ask you that you would use your word and your own Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you would use your servant to minister to your children and Lord, to call to those who need to be your children, that they might see the truth from your word, that they might take with confidence what you say about these things. Lord, we ask you to bless now in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen. Now, the third one, this one, patience, began in verses... uh, 3, and then verse 4. But what I want you to notice is the one that's coming after this. by the way, is perfect. And you're going to find that they go together, that patience and perfect go together. And we may have time to tie some of these things together this morning. Um... I want you to notice it says, knowing this, so we're, my brethren, count it all joy. We really don't have time, right? Do we have time to go through this whole thing over again? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. We just spent a lot of time looking at temptations. Again, this is the key. This is the key to counting it all joy when you find temptations in your life. And that is this. If there were no temptations in your life, it would be because you're just fine with the way you're living your life. The fact that there are temptations, when you find yourself falling into diverse temptations, what's really happening is this. Your conscience is aware that there are things in your life that bother you. And this is a great blessing. One of the things that happens to young Christians immediately is the the things that they used to be friends with They're no longer friends with those things anymore. They don't want them in their life anymore. And yet those things still are part of your natural life. In other words, there are places you used to go all the time. There are people you used to hang out with all the time. There are things you used to watch all the time. There's music you used to listen to all the time. It was just things that you used to do all of the time. And now suddenly the inward man doesn't like those things at all because you are a new creature and you have a completely different inner heart desire. And so there immediately begins this conflict. And God says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Now we were singing, this is, we're singing uh, this today because um, when I am tried and glorified, I shall come forth as gold. Uh, Jeremy James sent a, a text this week uh, one of the responsibilities that James has, uh, that Jeremy has where he's working now, is basically to recover precious metals. And so it's his responsibility to make sure that these precious metals are uh, collected and then basically all of the metals are melted and the precious metals are, are taken out. And he was commenting that, I can't remember what it was, I could look at my phone and, and see what it was, but he was commenting that there's a specific metal that requires a certain amount of skill to remove or to have gold removed from it. And he was commenting that it it requires not just a certain amount of heat to remove precious metal from dross or dross from precious metal, but that the person who's doing it, because I would think you just get it hot enough and then, you know, the weight of the gold would settle and then the, the stuff that's not good would float to the top and you just skim that off. And that does work at the very beginning. But later, it, takes, it requires skill to be able to separate these things and to be able to remove that which should not be there and leave that which should be there. And so what you realize when you see this is, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. If you will, the gold that God is working in your life is found in patience. Now, if you want to see how that works, turn a couple pages back in your Bible to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Curious, this is a curious passage, Romans chapter five. It has a great deal of uh, import in many contexts. John uh, made reference to Romans chapter five some verses later than we're going to be at together, and they're they're not very often read together. I may read them together today just so that you can see how they go together. But let's begin with verses 1 through 5 of Romans chapter 5. So Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what I want to do is I want to draw this all together together in, in your mind this morning. When we were against God, right? This is what it says in the second part of the verses that I just read. When we were against God, God was for us. Now think about this. When you were God's enemy, when you were selfishly living your own life, God was already pursuing you Through his providence, he was already at work in your life. And Christ, listen, Christ did not, this is really important. Christ did not die for you the first time you went to church. Do you understand? I really believe that there are many who think that because they they began to be convicted or curious about something, and they went to church and took a look, that because this was true, God said, oh, I see what they're doing. Oh, they're getting some religion in their life. I would like to rescue those religious people. I think I will die for them. That's not true. When we were sinners, you you picked the night in your life, the most most embarrassing, if we played that night up here, that night in your life, the, the worst time of your life, Christ died for you then. Do you understand? That's the love of God. God commends or demonstrates or shows or reveals his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, why is that so significant? Because that's the context of what God is talking about where it says in verse um, 3, and not only so, not only do we glory in the hope that we have because of what Christ has done for us, right, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but we're not just rejoicing in that. We are also rejoicing, it says in verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in what? Tribulations also. The same exact thing that we saw in James chapter 1, we see here in Romans chapter 5. Now notice this. And not only so, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Let me stop for just a moment. Let me go back and read verses 3 and 4. Just stay here. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience. Do you see how this is what God, listen, God is going to work in our lives by causing the things that take place in our life to not only change our lives, but more importantly, to change our understanding of who he is. Watch this. We glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now let me stop and talk and and mention this again. So, so what is patience? What is patience? Tribulation worketh patience. How does this happen? By the way, one of these things that um, uh, when I was a young Christian, this is a fairly popular saying. I don't know if it's because of coming from New England. I don't, really don't know why it was popular in, in, in people in my life. But this, and this is what it was said. Don't ever pray for patience. Because if you pray for patience, you'll get tribulation. right? And, and while there's truth to that, that's not the point of this at all. God, listen, God God does not bring tribulation into your life because you want patience. God brings tribulation into your life because you need patience. And patience is actually part of what God is accomplishing in your life. It goes together. Notice this. Knowing that tribulation works, patience. And what patience is, is this. I'm going through this difficulty, right? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Listen, please hear me. You may see this to be true in your life. You may have missed it when it was true in your life because you didn't understand. You may see it being true in someone that you love, where you believe that God is at work in their life. God is working in their life, and all you see is the tribulation in their life. Lord, while you're working in your life, back up a little bit, ease off a little bit. This seems to be very, very difficult. Maybe they don't need to go through all these difficulties. Let me tell you this, any difficulty that any of of us are going through, we need that difficulty or we wouldn't be going through it. When you say that God is bringing too much difficulty into somebody else's life, you make God to be not a good person. At least in your mind, you make God deny. I don't think any of us have any idea how much God loves us. I don't think you have any idea how much God loves that person more than you love that person. You have no idea the depths of God's love for you or that person, and we are a fool when we think God does not know what He's doing in somebody else's life. Or we are a fool if we think that God doesn't care about what He's doing in somebody else's life. Notice what this does tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation causes us to learn to be able to wait on God because you can't do it anyway. Again, you can live in Romans chapter 7. Many Christians spend many literal, many literal years living in Romans chapter 7. The good that I would, I don't. The evil that I wouldn't, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Many Christians live there, but you don't have to live there. What you have to do is learn this. You don't have the power to love people. You don't have the power to forgive people. You don't have the power to be the kind of person that God would have you to be and not only would have you to be, but he has the power to make you. And this tribulation causes us to learn to what? Trust God. Tribulation worketh patience and, 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 and patience experience. And here's what happens. I start to go through, th- through something that's less than I've been through before. Or similar to something that I've been through before. And now someone's watching you go through this. And they say to you, oh, this is a difficult thing. And you say, this is not a difficult thing. I've been through this before. And this is what I found out. God is able. This is, really, this is, not, this is not the religious thing to say. I'm telling you, God is able. God is great. God is good. And God is able to do this. Tribulation worketh this patience, and patience brings you to this experience. And then it says, an experience gives you hope. And now, what is hope? Hope is exactly what we've been learning over and over and over again: an expectation. And listen, hope is not wish. I heard it again yesterday. Not not here. I heard it somewhere yesterday. Adam was probably making reference to, you know, uh, basketball or something. And they're talking about uh, hoping to be able to be in this tournament. And I thought, that's not hope, that's wish, that's wish. And again, it's one thing to do this wrong, it's another thing to miss what the Bible says because you think about it wrong. Stop thinking about hope as if it's to wish for something longingly, that's desire. You can have desire, you can have a strong desire and yet have no expectation for it, right? I know the lasagna, right? How many times have I given the lasagna right, analogy? It's a great analogy though, because I love lasagna. So. If I want lasagna, I could want lasagna for dinner tonight, but I have no expectation of it. So to say I have a hope for lasagna tonight would be wrong. It would be a misunderstanding. It would be a misrepresentation. I don't have any hope of lasagna. I have no hope of lasagna tonight. (laughs) Zero expectation of lasagna tonight. Not on a Sunday night. Zero expectation of lasagna. I could have a strong desire for lasagna tonight, but that's not hope. Do you understand? What is hope? Here's what I hope for tonight, by the way. This is my expectation. Probably eggs and bacon. That's probably what we'll have. We'll get home tonight after the evening service. And I like eggs and bacon, so that's not a problem at all. But that's my actual expectation. Now, you might say this. Let's say, let's say your expectation for dinner tonight was okra and um, Brussels sprouts. There you go. There you go. Now, listen, listen. So, listen. So, so now we heard, we, we now heard Mitch's hope for dinner tonight, okay? But here's the thing, when it's not something that we want, we have a different word that we use for it. What we use is the word dread, okay? Right? I have a dread that I'm having okra and Brussels sprouts for dinner tonight, right? But listen, that's still an expectation, right? It's just an expectation of something that you don't want. So stop, listen, stop reading your Bible and looking at the word hope as if it was to wish for something. It isn't. It's an actual expectation. Now, the reason that it's used hope, because typically hope is tied to an expectation of something that you are actually already rejoicing in, like lasagna. You just haven't had it yet. And by the way, Mitch's wife makes very many yummy meals. Just want you to know that, okay? So if she's making, what are we having again? Brussels sprouts? It'll probably be delicious. I just wanted to say that, okay? Amen. I'm still glad you're having it and not me, but it still might be, might be delicious. What we, what we need to lay hold of is this. When it says that, patient, that, that tribulation is important, by the way, what's it say? We glory. This is actually to brag. We boast in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, meaning we begin to trust God. And, and, and patience, experience, which means we've seen that he can be trusted. And experience, hope, which means we now know how this is going to work out because of the love of God, which is shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So the Holy Ghost causes you to say this: God is good in my life. In fact, there's a song we've heard a lot for some reason recently. I've heard it a lot. God's been good in my life. You know, I wouldn't change anything. Why? Because God's been good in my life. And the tribulations were important. Listen, not not. To round off the edges of my rough life. That's not why. They were important because they caused me to begin to trust God is able in my life. The difficulties in your life are not there because God is beating you to death with your tribulation or your difficulties. God is bringing these these difficulties into your life to show you that he's greater than the difficulties. And he wants you to understand there are so many things that the people around you need to be set free from, need to be delivered from, and they need to be able to see in your life not a plastic, phony, religious confidence, but a genuine hope in the power of God. And this makes us not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the difficulties. You shouldn't be. Don't be ashamed of the difficulties in your life. Don't, don't. Why? Because I know God loves me. And I know he's doing this for a good reason. There's no reason to be afraid of it, and there's surely no reason to be ashamed of it. We're seeing this right in 2 Timothy when Paul says, I'm in jail on purpose. God did this, Timothy, on purpose. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We'll see this together again tonight. This is a remarkable truth that God is wanting you to see. So now turn back, turn back, if you would, to um, James. Turn back to James. James chapter... um, one, James chapter one, verse three, says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and then listen to this, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, this is where the two words come together, and I may just leave off right here and pick this up next week. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. And again, another one of those words in our Bible that we, through the way we use our English language in America, have, be, have really begun to misunderstand. The word perfect here does not mean without flaw. It means to reach the goal, okay? To, to arrive where you're supposed to be. So let, So let me read this with you that way but let patience have her bringing you to where you're supposed to be work in your life, that ye may be where you're supposed to be and entire wanting nothing. Let patience have her perfect work in your life. While God is working in your life, realize that he's doing it for this reason, to bring you to the goal, right? Now here, put your ribbon here, right? Right? And I want you to see this word. It's really important that you see this word. So so turn with me uh, uh, to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, just a couple pages back in your Bible. 1 Timothy, chapter 1. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 5. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. Knowing, excuse me. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Right? The word end, the word end, telos, right? Telios. And what does it mean? The goal, right? This is important. Please hear me. It means what? The goal. Now, the end of the commandment, the goal of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. Now, stay here in Timothy and just listen for just a moment to verse four again. But let patience have her perfect or her the end work in your life, that ye may be at the end and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, it's the same Greek word. What God is saying is this, let patience perfect you. Let her bring you to the goal because that's the goal that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if the goal is love, then what does it mean to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing? What does it mean? What does it mean that God is working in your life? Remember, we're talking about God who is changing your everyday life with a whole new quality of life. And what does that, and what does it mean? It means this. The patience that God is working in your life, he's doing this to perfect you. And what does that mean? To bring you to the goal. And what is the goal? Love. That's the goal, you know. Um, John was uh, talking. He did a really good job this morning in the Sunday school hour, uh, talking about uh, talking about God's love and how God's love. Listen, there is nothing. There's nothing that can defeat love. Nothing that can defeat love. And here's let me say this: Love conquers everything else. Literally, love conquers everything else. In James. When God is working in your life, your everyday life, and there are tribulations coming into your everyday life, why? Why? And the answer is this. Because he wants to bring you into being that loving person that you have no power to be. Right? We glory in tribulations also. Because tribulation worketh patience. And patience works what? Experience we begin to actually recognize that God is able to do this. Now, I'm not saying, I really, I know how how poorly I'm saying this. I really do. I'm very aware of it. I don't know why. It's it's so easy to say, and you know, having such a hard time saying it in a way that I think is easy to, to receive. Your everyday life, your everyday, God promises, in your everyday life, to make you into the kind of a loving person that you see the Lord Jesus is. And how? How? Through the tribulations in your life. Through the tribulations in your life. Now, you know, what's interesting is this. I find that um, those that are serving God seem to have more tribulation in their life, not less. I was talking to someone who was doing some work on our house and some things were going, you know, wrong, you know, the wrong parts come in and the wrong things don't go in like you think they're going to go into the house, that type of a thing. And I said, yeah, you know, I really would have thought with, with being in the ministry, I mean this, with being in the ministry, I really would have thought there's so much difficulty in being in the ministry anyway, that things like doing work around your house, it would just be like, ah, oh, this is, we're just, God would just say, oh, this is going to be easy in his life, right? I mean, after all, he's got all these hard things to deal with, we're just, everything's just going to be easy, and yet it's not that way. But listen, here's why. Listen, this is really why. Why do you have the difficulties in your life that you have in your life? Because if you don't have the difficulties in your life, then the people around you are not going to know what love looks like. Do you understand? Listen, if it were easy, everybody could do it. But when there's tribulation in your life, when it's, listen, some of you are really going through significant tribulations in your life. And here's why. God wants to make you a loving person in this circumstance. God wants you to have patience, having her what? Perfect work. And and what is that perfect work? To bring us to the place. Listen, this is so important. To bring us to that place, not where we have, quote unquote, victory over this, but where we are loving people in the midst of this. Where, because that's really the only victory that you're ever really going to have. You, listen, your coworkers, your neighbors, your extended family member, they do not care that you can smile and pretend and talk with a boisterous voice. They don't care. But if they see real love in your life when you're going through actual difficulty, they'll say, There's something different in your life. Because that power is not in you, that power is not in me. And so, patience is having her perfect work. Not you become a good person. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be being made perfect, that you may have this actually going on in your life. So you see how these two things go together. Patience and perfect go together. We're going to see it more. I'm going to end here this morning. I want you to just, I want you to take this home with you. I want you to come back next week with this in your heart and mind. And that is this, Lord, I do not want to get away from my tribulation. I do not want to get away from my tribulation. I want you, I want you to make me the loving man or woman that you only can make me in the midst of this difficulty because that's the purpose of the difficulty. God brought this into your life on purpose because he loves you and because he wants to make you into the loving man or woman that he's able to. Father, thank you. Lord, I know. I, 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 I sense so strongly, Lord, how hard it was to uh, express these simple wonderful truths this morning. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that you are able to to take your word and commit it into our hearts and lives. Lord, I ask you that you would indeed be honored and glorified by all of these things. Lord, every single person that's here, may may they have heard through these words, may they realize and understand that you are purposefully working in our lives to conform us to the loving image of Christ. Lord, that it wouldn't be pretend, that it wouldn't be plastic, that it wouldn't be phony, that it would be genuine and real, that we would know it, that we would have from this patience, this experience, that we would have this hope, this expectation, God is able to do this. God is able to do this. I am not able to do this, but my God is able to. Thank you, Father, for giving us this time together. In Jesus' name.